Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. How about some good Colts injury news? Right. How about it, you know? Finally. out. Regular season, about damn time. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner, like I said, will continue to come at you once a week if you want the daily Colts perspective or whatnot. Uh, join us 7 to 10 a.m. on the Fan Morning Show every day right here. Myself and a variety of guest hosts, Brendan King, been the most mm-hmm. uh, popular one here recently, but Mike Wells is in with myself. And uh, yeah, Chris Presley, you just asked me how Carson Wentz looked, and I, my response was, he looked good. And uh, we'll get into a lot of that today, but... Um, that news, Nelson, Kelly, uh, the preseason game, eh, defensively, <laughs> yes, but kickers, yes, but offensively, very mad. We'll, uh, we'll talk what I like, what I didn't like, get to some Twitter questions, the few that we missed from last week as well. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Good, 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 good. Your ball's getting ready to start here in a few weeks. Well, it kind of takes us some time to start, Kevin, as you know. Hmm. Um, was talking to someone the other day, and they go, "You big, you big uh, football guy?" And I said, "Yeah, you know, do a podcast in Indy. It's, it's, it's Colts base, college wise. I'm a Tennessee fan." They're like, "Ugh, Tennessee. I'm an Alabama fan." And oh, I was like, gosh. "Well, at this point, it's almost like uh, the Patriots with the Colts." I was like, "I just got to respect you and roll over." I was like, gonna it's, say, "Yeah, <laughs> it's know, not like we're a rival anymore." To be considered a rival, there's got to be some mutual, uh, you know, win loss, etc. There. How are your Irish looking? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I love college football. It's probably my favorite sport to watch. I know it's weird. I've said this before. I'd rather see Notre Dame basketball win a national title than Notre Dame football because mm-hmm. I'm just odd like that. But I am obsessed with college football. So. I cannot wait for two weeks, less than two weeks from Sunday, Notre Dame at Florida State, the first game, Sunday night of Labor Day. Um, I'm excited just because there's a lot of unknown, and that you know that curiosity kind of always gets me going and whatever. And yeah. you know now Rosie Bow will be a little bit more vocal, yelling at the TV. She can make <laughs> a lot more sounds, and so um, she's seen me yell at golf, but not as much as yelling at you know the Irish. So uh, I can't wait. I can't wait though. Uh, they, they have a fun schedule: Wisconsin, Cincinnati, North Carolina, USC. It's like I don't think they're gonna get their ass kicked like Clemson did to them in the AFC title game or uh, AFC ACC title game last year. Uh, but at the same time, they could lose, you know, several games. They're going to be kind of coin flips or maybe just three or four-point yeah. favorites. So, yeah, I can't wait for college football. Week zero this weekend, and then we'll get it all started Labor Day. And I love how roster cuts now for the NFL are next Tuesday, so they don't fall on that Saturday. Usually they fall on the Saturday of the first college football week. And you have to I work hated while you... That. hated that. So <laughs> yeah. selfishly, I love that it's next Tuesday when you cut from 80 to 53 and uh, we'll have the final 53 projection up uh, probably sometime on Saturday right off the uh, uh, right after the final preseason game. So, Well, before yeah. we dive in, quick side note. I don't know if it was Stadium or Bleacher Report or ESPN, but I did see that they posted – they tried to ask people who their favorite uh, college basketball courts were, and Notre Dame was one of the top ones. Wow, basketball court? Mm-hmm. Wow, geez. I never thought of – Notre Dame having uh, such a venue, but hey, I'm I'm all for it. Anything to get us back on track after these horrific years we've had. 
in the past few. One last thing I do want to mention before we get into the Carson Wentz stuff. Beers with Bowen, two weeks from Wednesday. That is September 8th, 6.30 p.m. Trying to get clarity on some parking. I know a lot of people have asked. Um, should be free parking available, but we're, we're getting some clarity on that. Again, we're giving away two tickets to every single home tailgate at Bullseye Event Center. It's the Colts VIP tailgate. All you can eat, all you can drink. It's starting three hours before kickoff. They've got NFL Red Zone on. It is perfect spot, outdoor, indoor, whatever mm-hmm. is needed there. And then we're also giving away two tickets to the home opener against the Seattle Seahawks on September 12th. So if you're there in person, eligible to win. We will be streaming it as well. But if you guys have any questions, just DM myself, DM Chris, and we'll be happy to answer those. Yeah, looking forward to it. And I know a lot of people are looking forward to talking about another social media storm today was Carson Wentz out there running around looking looking pretty good. And you were there in person, so let's talk about how he looked mobile. You know, it's funny you say that. I just had a former colleague of mine text me, did Wentz legit look good today or – some reporters may be more jaded by the fact he was so active in his first practice back. Or have you been watching Eason and Ellinger for three weeks and it's a relief to see competent quarterback play? <laughs> um, that's funny, and I'm sure the person that's listening to this is getting a kick that I just read that on air. But, um, yeah, I, I will get to that, uh, said person. But let's start here. Um, when I heard the news Sunday, I felt like, okay, this is a continued positive step in his rehab. The surgery was a success. No ligament damage, no no nerve damage. Here's another step forward. Um, what I thought to myself today is, what is limited going to look like? That was my big thing of kind of like, okay, where is he at? How far away is he through? And, and until he does teamwork, you know, we had Frank Reich on um, our morning show. If you guys missed that, the podcast is up on the Fan Morning Show podcast page. Basically, um, Frank said, you know, ideally – two weeks of practice, but we would be okay with one week of practice. All of a sudden, here he is three weeks out. Now, he's not doing team stuff yet, but three weeks out, that's a good chunk of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And re-injuring, you know, isn't a major issue with this as well. My one worry is like, well, after Wednesday, we don't get to watch any team drills anymore. You know, training camp ends on Wednesday. So the media open periods are just individuals. So we won't get to see Carson in the 11-on-11 for for quite a while there um and then today happens and you know the show wraps up and i'm looking over my shoulder and watching you know Wentz warm up i'm like man <laughs> he's not messing around and like carson has the the you know the dak prescott warm up that you know goes viral like he, he does a lot of aggressive you know like uh, i don't know thrusting is the right word but it's a word that i'll throw out there um the movement was not hesitant it was not timid it was borderline violent, like some of the just cutting and agility and side to side. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, he is not holding back. And I, I did not expect that. I thought limited would be he'd throw in one-on-ones and that would be it. And the dude threw 30 passes in seven-on-seven and rolled out and had no issue rolling out. So I was much more in the what is the workload going to look like than what did the effectiveness look like. And we'll get to the effectiveness. But from a workload standpoint, he did much more, much more than I thought he would do. And, you know, I mean, you had Aaron Brill there, uh, the rehab specialist, watching over. I mean, it was a lot of people that were locked in right right in there um, in terms of just watching him operate. And, again, I didn't notice. I mean, if you would have walked out of there and told me that's the guy that's missed three weeks, I would have said no way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way 
that uh, this was not just normal walkthrough stuff. Honestly, it wasn't normal limited stuff. You know, when you hear the word limited, limited could be you did 1% of the activities or you did 99% of the activities. You know, it's so much gray area with limited. Um, this was not in any way, shape, or form a 1% limited workload. I mean, for the first hour of practice, Carson Wentz did everything you'd expect a starting quarterback to do. Um, he sat out the team periods, which, again, those are more uncontrolled settings. Yes, you're wearing a red jersey, but, you know, guys can, whatever, roll up on you, and, and it's just they're not there yet with it. Um, and they're not, I think, there yet to consecutive days. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. But that seems to be kind of the next hurdle of, like, okay, you know, can he string days together? Um, as far as effectiveness or just what he looked like throwing it, when you watch him go through one-on-ones and you watch him even participate in seven-on-sevens, you just see a more talented quarterback than the two guys that we've watched, just frankly. I mean, and he's a number two overall pick versus number 122 or 202, wherever Easing and Ellinger have been drafted. So, like, that shouldn't stun me, but, you know, I've only watched Carson Wentz practice in person for a day and a half. Right. So, like, when you see him, and I talked to Jordan Wilkins after practice, and Wilkins like, you forget just how talented the dude is, and he is very talented thrower of the football and can whip it and throw from different motions and all of that, and you saw it, and that was a reminder. Um, he was 18 of 30 in the 7-on-7 seven seven work. That is 60%. That is not a good number um, for 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, no, n- no pass rush. The red zone can be a little bit more difficult just because it is a confined area. I want to say he was 8 of 15 there. He was 10 of 15 in the first period. That happened a little bit more in the middle of the field. He had one pick, threw a ball behind Tyler Vaughn's that got picked off. Um, So, you know, it's not like he set the world on fire in 7-on-7 by any means, and I really don't put too much stock into it because, to to me, it's all about workload right now and how you respond. You've got three weeks to work on rust and effectiveness and all that. The fact that he was out there for as long as he was, taking as many reps as he did, Throwing balls on the run, rolling out to his right, which was how he got injured originally. Yep. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. Um, it might be premature to say this, but barring a setback, I think he plays week one. You know, I mean, it just is. It's like when you watch guys. First off, you put any player on the football field. If Eric Fisher would have practiced today, three weeks outside of week one, he's got a torn Achilles. I would have expected him to be ready week one. Obviously, Fisher isn't there yet. But what I'm getting at is for a guy to miss a smaller period of time, Wentz has missed, what, three weeks, mm-hmm. and to have now three weeks of practice ahead of him, as long as he's not taking a bunch of rest days and he his foot just doesn't respond, I think he plays. Quickly before we get into what you liked and what you didn't like about this weekend's game against the Vikings, and again, you said you don't put a lot too much stock into it. It's obviously about rep, reps and uh, knocking the rust off. Could you see any differential between the play calling, between what Eason throws and Ellinger throws? Yeah, I mean, not a ton. Because I think in 7-on-7, seven seven, it's pretty generic what you're doing. I mean, maybe for a pocket passer, you wanted to keep that guy a little bit more confined. And for a guy like um, Wentz, you want to get him more out on the run or at least be open to getting out on the run. So maybe a little bit there. But obviously, I think once you get into 11-on-11, 11 11, it's all right. The RPOs, you know, I, I think back to Saturday night. And Sam Ellinger ran so many RPOs. At times, I'm thinking to myself, is Sam Ellinger, like, run-checking like none other? It just seemed like there were so many runs called on on Saturday night. But um, 
I didn't notice just a, a ton, but again, I think you got to get into mm-hmm. team periods before that comes a little becomes a little bit clearer there. Um, you know, I, I asked him afterwards. You know, do you feel like you need to be a hundred percent? You know, I guess would you be willing to not be a hundred percent but comfortable playing in week one? He basically said, if I'm not gonna be in jeopardy of re-injuring things, I played too far worse. For as private of a guy as Carson Wentz is, one thing about Andrew Luck, I don't think Andrew Luck let any sort of criticism ever seep into like his life. I don't think Carson compartmentalizes that as well as Andrew did. Mm-hmm. So like that is, I think, something that you just kind of have to think about with Wentz is like he hears the chatter. He knows what the Philly people said to him. He knows where he's at in his career, and you know there are a lot of skeptics out there about him. So you know, does that fuel him? Does that stress them out you know those are all things that'll be that we'll have to watch as the season moves along um he was asked about is there any pain in the foot and he basically just said you know there's some stuff still to work through so you know pain tolerance has been an element of this but you know I asked him that question because Ursay made it clear we want him to be 100 percent before we put him out there given his injury history um, so I do think that is something that maybe could hold him back a little bit but Chris I was um I was blown away by how much he did and just the fact that, like, you know, we all play, like, pick up basketball, and you've got dudes that move at different speeds mm-hmm. on the floor, and then you've got the one dude that's like, all right, man, this is not the sectional final. You know, like, <laughs> slow, you know, slow. And Carson Wentz moved like it was a sectional final. I mean, it was like, I'm going. And I, all of a sudden he's just taking every single 7-on-7 seven seven rep and all that, so – I think you have to be pleased if you're a Colts fan. Three weeks out, you know, Frank Reich said it. I didn't think he'd be back till next week. You know, so even he, it, it's a surprise to the coaching staff that he's out there. Um, so you got to like what you saw today workload-wise. Now you want the effectiveness to get better, the rust to knock off, and then just the unknown as we sit here right now is just how does a foot respond, point yeah. blank. I mean, that's going to be, I think, what ultimately is the uh, – is the barometer of, of where he's at week one. And then once you get to week one, now the debate becomes this. Now the debate is a little bit more of, you know, are we at a, you know, how much time did Carson miss in the, in the training camp in the preseason? And does that impact his play on the field? You know, I brought up this morning on the radio show, we remember the first year at Lucas Oil Stadium, Peyton Manning missed that entire offseason with a bursa sack injury mm-hmm. and really, really struggled uh, for Peyton's standards, certainly the first two months of the season and then all of a sudden Peyton got it together and had an MVP run to end it um, does this miss time for Wentz new team new personnel those things does that impact him but those are obviously stuff that we'll get into down the road yeah and like we've mentioned before on previous podcasts there's obviously a two-week break because this preseason there's only three games right we did win against the Vikings it was not so pretty to watch at times but a 12 to 10 win what did you think or what did you like? I should start there with about that victory. Yeah, you know, I would say the first thing that jumps out to me, Chris, is what I didn't like on Sunday against Carolina. I liked more on Saturday against Minnesota in two specific areas with that. Let's start with the offensive tackle play. Julia on Davenport, I believe is how you pro- properly pronounce it. Um, got the start again at left tackle and was much better. Now, the Vikings... Didn't have a sack in the preseason opener, so you got to note that. And to our earlier point, you know, of the person that that, that, that texted me, um, I'm sure that's some of it of, like, 
oh boy, have you seen the quarterback play lately? That's not that's not this guy. And so I, I, I do think that's some of it when you watch the pass rush, when you watch the tackle play going up against second teamers. But still, I thought it was much better. And Ellinger starting on Saturday helps. He gets the ball out a little bit quicker too. Right. Uh, but secondly, I, I felt like the pass rush. I mean, Quiddy Pay had the highlight of probably the first half in terms of that that sack out. Yes, we should note that was against Minnesota's backup left tackle. Christian Darisau is hurt and not playing. Uh, but then Ben Banigou. just To me, it was the variety of production that Banigou had in that game. It wasn't just all effort or all speed or inside rushes or whatever. He had a little bit of everything. And the consistency by Banigou continues to stand out. So, I mean, he's going to make this football team. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And with Kamoko Torrey a little bit banged up right now, you know, who knows if he could factor into some stuff a little bit earlier in the year. So, obviously, really strong play by the defense in general, even though your frontline guys played, what, you know, maybe a series or two. Um, I thought Rocky Seen, I thought Zach Paschal had nice performances early on. And then you have to mention the uh, the kickers. <laughs> they they continue <laughs> yeah. to be perfect. And yep. I say this in all serious right, right now, you could trade Eddie Pinheiro and possibly get a draft pick, which is just wild, wild to say. But – it's it's a possibility. That's so, today's NFL. Yeah, I mean, te- again, I have I've said this during the Adam Vinatieri debacle. If you are discussing kicker issues inside of your personnel movies uh, meetings, you just want to bash your head against the wall. Like, guys, we don't have a freaking kicker. Like that is <laughs> rock bottom. Nothing. A fa- it's the easiest way for a fan base to just like make fun of their organization. Like, we can't kick. We literally cannot kick a football, and. I think panic mode creeps in for organizations because you imagine an owner being like, yeah, we got a good football team, but we just can't kick. <laughs> and that's costing us multiple games. Like, you know, organizations do not want to stoop to that level. So um, I do think that, you know, right now the Colts got two pretty good kickers and they've kicked really well. So who knows how that'll play out. So, um, yeah, I think that covers pretty much everything on, on what I liked. Yeah, and good for Ben. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, third year for him. And, you know, I know he's kind of rubbed some people, uh, media people, the wrong way. And he seems like a nice guy. Um, I'm not not going to pretend to uh, to know him and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, you certainly want to see a guy that has a wake-up call. And I know he trained with DeForest Buckner in the offseason um, out at UNLV for a bit. And, you know, just a big wake-up call. And we've seen guys that have hit on this. We've seen guys that have, you know, continued to go down this path of, you know, just not effective play at this level. Uh, a la Bjorn Werner. Um, and now, you know, this is what our eyes are seeing in camp. Now, I try to throw in these caveats of, like, who they're going up against because I think we need to acknowledge that it's, like, it's not the studs or the stars. Um, now, you're not always going to see the stars and the studs. There's going to be times where guys are hurt. And so, you know, maybe this is the type of competition that you see. But um, it's better than the alternative. And Pay and Ben Banigou in game action – did more than the pass rush did a week prior. Well, as everyone knows who listens to this podcast, you always do what you liked and then what you did not like. So, unfortunately, we do have to uncover what you didn't like. Let's start there with Sam Ellinger's interceptions. Yeah, you know, he needed to make a statement, Chris, and did not make a good statement. Um, you know, for the game, he was 8 of 13 with two picks. Let, let's start with those picks, like you said. First one, certainly on on him. Uh, you know, Frank Reich has mentioned this, and and definitely was on him. Whether it's the ball batted down at the line of scrimmage, or I should say, kind of deflected at the line of scrimmage, um, 
you know, his height, his pocket movement, whatever you want to attribute to, it was not a good play. And that led to the first pick. The second pick, I blame more on Ashton Doolin. I frankly thought Ashton Doolin quit on the route and just didn't didn't give the effort that needs to be there on a route over the middle of the field. Uh, now, I also don't think Ellinger should have necessarily thrown that ball because I felt like there was some you know, pretty blanket uh, uh, coverage that really wouldn't have allowed a super high percentage um, of those throws to be completed in, in, in such an area. Um, and now where we're at right now is this, Chris. Sam Ellinger has not played a full game of football yet. He's close, but hasn't played a full game. He's thrown three picks and 28 passes. When you weigh the games more than practice, I don't know how that doesn't stand out to mm-hmm. anybody. Because we're talking about Ellinger here. He's not going to get it super, super vertical. I think right now through two games, Eason has seven passes of more than 15 yards. Ellinger has three. The three for Ellinger, screen to Hines, and then the two 50-50 balls we saw in week one. You look at Eason's plays down the field, they're much more of a legit arm, not as flukish, like vertically he's getting it down the field versus Ellinger's plays. And then also just the difference right now is Easton's protected it a lot better. Now Easton was terrible today, probably his worst day of camp. He had two picks. Um, He did get a few more starting reps than Ellinger, but really, really struggled. Um, I just think with Ellinger, we've seen a little bit more of his height start to kind of come into it. And I mean, he's 6'1". It's not like he's 5'4", but that'd be amazing, honestly, if he was 5'4". <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm watching that on, on Saturday night, and my first thought was, oh, geez, Carlos Dunlop in week one? <laughs> you know, well, you know, that's we've, we've already seen Carlos Dunlop make a big play against his team based off his height. So um, then if you take out the interceptions, like let's just call those interceptions incompletions. He goes 8 of 13. Mm-hmm. On the night for what seventy some yards? Seventy yards, yep. That's sixty percent passing and five yards per pass attempt. That isn't beating the Seattle Seahawks, right? You know, I don't. Did Garen win this weekend? They did. That's not beating Garen. You know. Well, powerhouse. You know. Well, yeah. Fair, <laughs> fair. I, I had no idea that Chris Ballard's son was a quarterback of Westfield. He he, he got in against Cathedral. Oh really? This, this weekend, yeah. I I had I had no idea. You know, I made the Westfield passing offense reference on Twitter earlier in camp, and they're all rip. I mean, these high school kids are ripping me. How dare you call out tagging the starter? And the starter's going to Ball State. I'm thinking, oh geez, my Irish got Westfield week one. These kids are going to be back at it. They don't score a point. I mean, come on now. And now I'm like calling out high school football players in this podcast <laughs> as if you know we could we we could reach a more of a low there. Um. Anyways, what I'm getting at with Ellinger is this. Three picks, less than a game of action. He doesn't make enough big plays to make up for that. And that's what's concerning right now. Um, Now, let's go to Eason. Two of eight start for zero yards. At that point, I was like, can I just watch the IndyCar race? (laughs) What is going on, right? Like, this is is just putrid. Now, to be fair, Eason bounced back, I thought, thought really well. Um, Mm Mm-hmm couple of big throws to Patman late, variety of throws. He iced the game kind of on that rollout and throwing it to to Patman. So he was better. What was he, like 13 of 18 to finish or something like that um, after that 2 of 8 start. Um, but, man, early on, dude, when that 98-mile-per-hour fastball isn't – when it's not in stride or between the numbers, 
Yeah, it's dangerous. It's not good. And today we saw one of them. We actually saw kind of one from from Wentz. Not maybe as, you know, crazy fast, but I think that Tyler Vaughn's pick was kind of like, you know, Granson's always kind of reaching behind his body or whatnot. Um, and, and just Easton's got to be better there. I think we have some Twitter questions on that. Um, so I guess this is where I'm at with these two, Chris. Both guys are flawed. They were drafted 120 and 200 for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, neither are getting the best evaluations ever because there's injuries around them. There's lack of an opponent, lack of starting time. But if we are going off of how have they looked, Eason has been the better quarterback. And I keep on coming back to this. When you're going to play against a Seattle or an L.A. team, I don't think five yards in a cloud of dust out of the passing game is going to get it done. And, you know, Ellinger's thing is supposed to be scramble, methodical passing game, protector. He's not been a protector. That's That might be the scariest. I mean, Easton's thrown how many passes in the preseason? I'd say over 40 um, or certainly over 30. And he hasn't thrown a pick yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't recall too many balls that have even been – Close to being picked off. Now, some might say he throws it too hard for the defense to even even know it's coming. <laughs> but um, I think I was adding these numbers up last night, and I could be wrong on this, but who knows? I've said some stupid shit before in this podcast. Basically, if you look at the INT ratio right now of Ellinger, for Easton to equal that, he'd have to throw a pick on his next five passes. Wow. That That's kind of where we're at right now. So I just don't see... How you know Frank says they're in the same zip code? I'll give it area code, but I'm not giving it zip code. You know, and I I know there's songs about area codes. I can hear them in my head right now, but I, <laughs> I'm not even gonna try and pretend to sing it. Um, I think Eason needs to be. Do you know what song I'm talking about? I do know exactly yeah, okay. what song you're talking. about. I would about. say for your sanity, probably don't <laughs> d- don't act like or don't try and sing it either. No. Nope. Um, I think Easton should start on Friday. I mean, he hasn't gotten any starting action all year long in the preseason. Might as well. And then if you need one of them week one, I'm going with Easton. I'd probably keep Sam on the practice or on the um, active, you know, early on and then sneak him to the practice squad early in the year, something like that. But um, I don't, I'm not acting like Easton is lapping Sam Ellinger by any means. I don't think we're there. Easton has had issues. But to win an NFL football game against a legit team, Couple passes, got to be thread in there, and mm-hmm. I just I, I'd feel better about nine doing that than number four. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what you liked and what you didn't like. Should we jump to Twitter questions? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. And again, we got a lot this week because we had a few we couldn't get to last week, so we got a bunch. All right. We're talking about the quarterback play, and Jason wants to start right there. At this point, what is the maximum number of games that you think the front office is comfortable rolling out the young quarterbacks versus bringing in a veteran? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, obviously we don't it doesn't look like Wentz is gonna miss much time, if time at all. I was always thinking this, Chris. Carson Wentz would have to miss probably four to five games for panic mode to set in in terms of and, and like these two would have to look disastrous. They have not looked disastrous. Let's be perfectly fair to both of them. Um so yeah, I would say you know, three maybe, considering that's that's the Tennessee game. But, again, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting this to happen. And, sure, me, some of it might depend on what the market looks like. I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to become available that you didn't think or the price tag is going to be super low. But um, I still kind of stand by where I've been uh, for a while now. Yeah, that was my main question is who's going to be out there. You never right. know. Right, 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 right. All right, from Travis, what's your thoughts on Desmond Patman doing gunning duties on special teams? Is there a chance that this allows for him to su- supplant – Ashton Doolin for the six wide receiver spot. 
I saw someone mention that Ashton Doolin to the practice squad, as you always say, one eye to the future. Both Zach Paschal and T.Y. Hilton are in contract years. Ooh, that's a good point by Travis. You know, Travis was an early beer. Travis, no, it was David. David? I think it was David who came up with the idea of beers with Bowen. But Travis was one of our first mm-hmm. um, uh, first appearance-ers, which is not a word. Uh, first people to show up. Yep. At uh, where was that? What was that place called? Too deep. Too deep. Too yep. deep. Yeah, it's been renamed now. Um, anyways, Travis, thank you for the question. That's a terrific last point. I do always say one eye to the future, and something I I probably need to remember is like, the Colts protected Patman last year. Besides him not playing, so right. they clearly like him. And honestly, outside of honestly, I'd probably throw the, throw Bandigo's name into this mix. If you're finding me the most consistent player through the first two preseason games. I'm probably not getting very far on the list before I named Desmond Patton. So kudos to him. For right. the big body, he's a little bit more possession-like. Not enough flash. Not, not, I say not enough flash, and, and you'll you'll hear why I say that in just a sec. But he just isn't like as flashy as maybe Strawn is. Now, um, I think a question that you have to ask yourself is this. You know, does Patman or Strawn or whoever make it initially, and then do you get later in the week and do you drop one of them and bring up Doolin off the practice squad? That's typically something you see happen. Um, sure, there's a time where you reach it with all your special teams gurus that you just say, all right, enough is enough, and you move on from them. Um, but I think something that we just have to remember when you're talking about fifth and a sixth wideout is, yes, there is potential, and that's certainly something to watch, and that's well said by Travis. But these guys just don't rotate into a game. Like that's it's just this isn't college football where you know you hold up SpongeBob, Beyonce, you know whatever, <laughs> Keystone Light, and like uh, whoever, and you're switching five receivers in and out every other play. No, no, no. Like you're dressing forty six, and they've got to be impactful for you. Involving a fifth or sixth wideout, I think Strawn before I think Patman because I think Strawn is more specialty, red zone, short areas of the field. Patman to me is just. He's kind of like the others, which like sounds like a knock, but I don't want it to sound like a knock. Um, Patman, to me, would be a guy, if someone got hurt maybe in the top four, then you would kind of slide him in there and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, Patman had a nice finish to the game the other night, but I still think Ashton Doolin is a very, very effective special teamer, and you cannot forget about that. Yeah, no. All right, Scott, he's coming out firing a little bit here with his overreactions okay, for the preseason. I'm ready. I got my shield. Our QB situation is very dubious. One is short. One only fires cannons and can't find the target. And one is a head case or one is a head case on one foot. Their protection is non-existent at the very least in question. Our defense seems to be a pretender, especially downfield. Boy, he did. That was firing. You were right, Chris. Um, defense a pretender. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not. I, defense had a nice... Nice camp. <laughs> That's a lot of negativity. Um, Scotty, preseason is all we have to go off of. I, I think you need to remind yourself that, um, well, first, the Colts are 2-0 and in the preseason for the first time in 27 years. You know, uh, the sport graphics is constructing the banner as we speak to go up into Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, I mean, how many starters have yet to take a snap in the preseason? Yeah. 10, 11? I mean, Wentz, Taylor, Doyle, Hilton, Fisher, Nelson, Kelly. Taekwon Lewis, 
Leonard, did Leonard play the other night? I don't think so. Xavier Rhodes. So, I mean, and Buckner played, what, three snaps and yeah. Kenny Moore? You know, it's like, are there legit questions at some important spots? Sure. Quarterback, left tackle, yeah. But, you know, is if the health can check out for the Colts, I, I still see this as a as a playoff team. And missing the playoffs would be, um, would be a problem. So, um, we still got several weeks to go until. So, I mean, no, not one player right now. Yes, you know it's probably unlikely Dio Dangbo starts the year, mm-hmm. or whatever. Fisher probably, you know, whatever, fifty fifty at best. He plays week one. I mean, outside of that, you could have twenty one or twenty two starters playing week one. So, um, you know, team that's coming in here week two is missing their their stud running back, and I don't know, maybe it's premature premature to call Cam Akers a stub, but he, you know, he's shown some flashes, certainly. So, Scotty, um, yeah, I, I, I'd call some of them overreactions, and then, you know, others I think are questions. You just chose to go full negative. You know, <laughs> Easton only fires cannons. Well, he does other stuff pretty well. And Sam Ellinger's short, but he does other stuff pretty well. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, you can be a head case and still be a pretty good athlete. <laughs> I mean, we see it across all sports. So, um and it looks like he's got two working feet now. Right. Let's hope. From Wake Spike, um, is Carson Wentz chomping at the bit to get back because he's worried about a second quarterback coming in and taking his job? Oh, geez. I I would hope not. I mean, that's not – you know, I guess this question kind of goes back to what we said earlier. Carson can live a pretty secluded life, but he hears that stuff. So I, I get why the question's being asked. But, um, shit, if he's worried about Jacob Easton, Sam Ellinger, he's got issues. I mean, to be frank, if you watch them over the last two weeks, I don't think you'd be overly worried about them. Um, you know, his second opportunity, his second chance at NFL life to be in a great situation, like we've talked about with this O-line and Reich and all that, that should be comforting enough. So, yeah, I, I don't – yeah, I, he's chopping at the bit. He's, he's a competitive athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to get back out there. Colts aren't going to be, you would hope the Colts aren't going to you know, rush it by any means. Casey wants to stay in the quarterback backfield talking about Jacob Eason and Carson Wentz in terms of their arm strength. Who has the uh, more powerful arm? He hasn't heard anyone compare their arm strength. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I'd say strictly like radar gun, Eason, stronger arm. I would say the ability to throw with Elite velocity from different arm angles on the run. Wentz. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wentz could flip that thing, man. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, I don't. I told Jordan Wilkins, I didn't know they made him like that up in North Dakota. <laughs> I mean, I know they got a couple guys in the NFL, but right, oof, they can fling it. Trey Lance, where's Lance from? Minnesota, I think so. I believe, Min- uh, yeah, I believe Minnesota. Played well last night. Next question comes from Mike. How has Desmond Patman played in camp? Two preseason games in. And he's not, or two preseason games in, and he's been really productive, but I feel like I haven't heard a lot about him outside of the games. Do you think he makes a roster? And then Mike Strawn on the practice squad. Yeah. And do you still have them protected practice squad spots this year? Yeah, I think there is still the protection. 16 practice squad spots. I need to look into some of that uh, stuff I need to double check on. Um, I would say pretty solid camp for Patman. You know, there's been days where he's had really nice days, and there's been days he's been a little bit quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go back to what I said earlier. When I think of fifth wideout, it's situational. It's matchup-driven. Specialty type of guy. You know, it's like 
Um, who's homeboy on Mighty Ducks who shoots a knuckle puck? Russ. Oh. Russ. Uh, Russ Tyler. Is that, is that it? Yeah, I'll believe you. Yeah, I can't um, remember his name. Yeah, didn't he dress? Didn't Conway give, give up his jersey the last game, and they put Tyler in there to dress just yeah, for the knuckle right, puck? Right, right. Something yep, I don't yep. know. Banks, I don't know. Somebody on the on the team gave up their jersey. Rudy, like, well, that, there's your specialty guy. He goes in there for for one freaking thing, and he scores a goal and changes the whole complexion of the game. Now that's Hollywood. This is reality, but. Do you see where I'm coming yes, from here? Yep, yep. Um, of why you would have him dressing there. So, boy, I did not plan that before the start of the show, the whole uh, Mighty Ducks thing. I can't believe that popped in my head. Um, that's a great movie. By that the is way. a great movie. So, yeah, that's where that's where I'm coming from in okay. terms of, you know, fifth wide out. If you're going to make me guess right now, I they probably cut Doolin and Michael Harris and hope to get them in the practice squad. That's probably what they'll do. Um but if you're Bubba Ventrone, you're standing on the table and saying, guys, yeah. yep. if there's one special teams coach out there and their team's really healthy and they can claim a guy, they feel like they're one gunner away, and all of a sudden those Regal punts, who is outstanding at his job, if they start bounding in the end zone, don't get mad at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Rigo's played outstanding. Oh, yeah, that guy's good. He is a good, good punter. Whew, that's a great find by – shout-out to Tim McMahon, former – I think it's Tim. Tom? Tom McMahon. Jake says, I feel like the phrase, great throw, but Pittman dropped it, has been too frequent this camp. Will Michael Pittman's drops be a problem from keeping him as wide receiver number one? Yeah, Jake, I mean, I know he kind of dropped. I mean, I call it a drop. I know Frank debated it a little bit more. He had that drop on Saturday, that third down in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Ellinger, I thought, pretty, pretty, pretty good ball on it. I haven't noticed his drops too much in camp. I mean, maybe a couple and actually kind of like one-on-one stuff, but I haven't noticed and a, a huge number. By any means, so I'm not, Jake, I'm not freaking out about it. Question from Tanner. What happens if Eason continues to shine and Wentz gets the job done and has a successful season, a.k.a. making the playoffs or winning the the division? I'm curious to know what happens if Eason fulfills his potential. Would a max out Eason be too talented to keep as a backup? Would we field offers for him on another team, or would we stow him away with wince for mishaps? Chris, always go big orange. That's from Tanner. Mm. Go big orange. There you go. Rocky top, Tanner. Sing it, baby. What a great fight song. Um, In all seriousness, great, great fight song. Yeah, uh, well, Tanner, it doesn't sound like this is going to happen. You know, Jacob Eason getting this opportunity and then stringing that together. Um, for some reason, if Wentz went down and Eason was outstanding, I, you know, I don't think anyone is trading anything too serious for Jacob Eason unless he plays for, you know, multiple months right, and yeah. like really, really shines out. So I, I, I'm in the keep grooming, keep growing camp with Eason. And, you know, there's a lot of like, Again, if you're going to show me a film of Jacob Eason over the last month and, like, you would have showed me that back in early July, I'd probably be like, yeah, kind of what I expected. Some good, some bad. He should have stayed in Washington for another year. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, there's just a lot of development still needed. So I think you need to practice some some patience with him. Question from Mitchell. If Nelson can go week one, do you think the Colts could use uh, Reed or Pinter at left guard and have Quentin Nelson at left tackle until Eric Fisher gets back because left tackle options are not looking good right now. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think they would stick with Davenport 
um, to be honest with you right now. And I mean, as long as like whatever uh, Friday night doesn't go horrifically for him, um, you know, I think something with this whole Nelson thing is yes, he is a team player, but like he doesn't he doesn't want to go to left tackle. Yeah, and I get it. There's an element of like, all right, dude, you need to help the football team. Who cares? But um, you know, I I just think that's something that you have to kind of realize as well. So I understand the question: Is he going to get enough team practice time? You know, they're talking about maybe some rest days for Wentz. You know, do, does Nelson need some rest days? I would assume. I mean, three hundred thirty pounds on that foot, right? Um, so I think that's that. That's something. We talk a lot about Fisher. We talk a lot about Nelson. We talk a lot about Wentz, obviously, with their injuries. But also, Trevor wants to know about Marlon Mack's Achilles injury. Do you think he will return to his form prior to that injury? He's worried that he's lost his burst. Thanks for all that you do. Yeah, well, Trevor, thank you for that. I mean, it's kind of impossible to say. I mean, that's a no-joke injury, you know. And for a running back, Chris, you know, 88% back and 98% back, that's a big, big gap. Um I've said this a lot on the morning show over the past few days, and I'll say it for this audience right now. If I'm making a running back depth chart and I'm going to go play the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow, uh, Marlon Mack's my fourth stringer. And I know that might surprise some people, but Jonathan Taylor's my one, Naeem mm-hmm. Hines is my two, and Jordan Wilkins is my three. And I think something that we have to remember with Mack is I probably wouldn't cut him because I don't, and I know that might, again, shock people that I'd even say that word with him because um, – you're not in a huge roster number crunching situation. You don't have gobs of injuries, really. Yeah. Um, Marlon Mack is a great teammate. He's coming back from the Achilles. You can afford to be a little bit patient with him. But if that dude's name was, you know, Kevin Presley, he would be my fourth running back, and he doesn't play special teams. And all of a sudden, if you're debating that in a coaching staff meeting room, boy, um, What's the argument? You yeah. know, like to me, Wilkins is more effective right now and plays special teams for you. So, um, again, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing with my eyes, guys. And right now, and I'm not stunned by it. You know, he's coming back from a torn Achilles. Like, it's a big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. But right now, if I'm saying what is my best chance to win a football game, Jordan Wilkins goes into that game before Marlon Mack does. Yeah. So, I, it's just, it's just kind of something to watch. Back to Eric Fisher, obviously all these guys are competitors and want to get out there, but Jason wants to know, do you think with Eric Fisher seeing potentially a turnstile at left tackle makes him beat the drum harder to lobby to get out there? (laughs) No, I mean, this injury's too serious to be messing around with that. But, yeah, I mean, it. You know, I kind of said this back in the foot issues. I don't know if there's a Rex Ryan for Achilles, but if there is, you might need to get him, you know, to Grand Park and say, all right, you know, Dio and uh, Fisher, come here. Yep. I got two hands, and if you guys sit close enough, we can make this work. <laughs> yeah, that sounded really bad. Let's just move on. Next question. From Patrick, as Jacob Eason's play is getting better during training camp, when is the measuring stick moved from a, quote, young quarterback who has never played but is getting better, end quote, to – quote, a competent quarterback who should be dependable backup, end quote. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, we're we're probably still at the first. I don't know if I can go competent, you know, QB who should be dependable backup. It's just, it's so hard to say until they get into game Mm -hmm. action. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but um, 
I would like to think that Frank Reich could be able to script a game plan that could put Jacob Eason in some good situations. Yeah. Uh, there, there will be some three and outs. There will be some fastballs where, you know, I can just hear him in section 522. Can he not throw it softer? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, you know I, I get that. But there's also going to be some big league throws that it's like, whoa, geez. I didn't, you know, that safety didn't come over from that hash mark thinking that the ball was going to get there that fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, Patrick, I, I, I think it's a young QB that you want to see more of. Young QB that you want to see more of. Probably not in game settings, but more, want to see more. Yeah, we're going to stay there with the quarterbacks with a question from Hank. If Carson Wentz is clear to play week one and has a rocky start, how bad would the record have to be through six games for Frank Wright to consider Eason instead? Two and four, one and five. Oh shit! I mean, geez, Hank. Um, I mean, not just the record. You got to go a step further. What? Yeah, QB rating, ints, whatnot. Yeah, it would have to be one and five or zero oh and six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you turn away from Carson Wentz, see ya. You know, I. Yeah, hope you enjoy your home in Indy and didn't pay too much on the old, you know, mortgage. Like it's and especially yeah. mentally with him, and then yeah, you're I gonna mean, get if, a first round pick back. I like, yeah, if for some reason you're done with Carson Wentz, like, all right, you know, fire up the engines on the 2022 draft class at QB, or I guess fire it up on Easy yeah. at least. All right, why bother? Pod wants to know basically the same thing that you you said and Rick Venturi if you listen to the broadcast a couple weeks ago kept talking about Araldus Chapman which congrats oh, yeah. to your Reds on a, a sweep against the Marlins and thank right you. now in the wild card let's go thank you appreciate um, that could be seeing your Braves again could be Braves are on a nine game win streak um the touch wants to know about Easton's fastball these guys make it to the NFL you would think they would have touch by now what gives why don't they they find that touch down the field sometimes yeah, good question. It's it's the million dollar question, Chris. Again, why you know why doesn't the closer with the hundred and one mile per hour fastball have an effective changeup? Why doesn't you know Bryson DeChambeau have a wedge game that can literally get him to win whatever golf tournament he wants? I mean, it's Brooksy. Yeah, that was good. Um, it's sports, man. You know, just because you got the power doesn't mean you got the finesse. It's it's just how it is. You can't have it all. And, and um, you know, I, I think there is an element to Eason of this. You know, he's not the greatest reader of progressions. So I think at times when he commits to the underneath stuff, it can kind of be panicky. Mm-hmm. And he just can't dial it down in time because he, he's not 100% sure if that's where he should go with it. But he thinks the window's closing fast, so he just goes back to what he knows, and he rifles it in there, and, you know, boom. There it is, ball, you know, going off a receiver's hands into the turf. So, I mean, it's it's such a tough question. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's people have to remember he's not had game reps before, so the correct. the speed of the yeah. NFL, like eventually, it will start to slow down, and I think he won't have to rifle it in. And another reason why I want to see, I I feel like the Colts should commit to him and then put him into these starting situations here coming up. But you know, that's just me. Question from Mitch. In terms of starting quarterback play on Sundays, it looks like we have a turnstile left tackle with Tevi and Holden, so Eason's going to get killed if they play, so we need to play Ellinger. You know, Frank Reich's answer to us was the O-line situation would not matter in uh, who he would start week one. Now, 
if you needed to go that route with one of them, think of help, help, help. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's what you'd be doing there. This question comes from John outside. And of- Davenport is the leader. Sorry, Chris, to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. But Davenport is the leader. Outside of Mike Strawn looking like he should make the roster, it seems like Zach Paschal, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell have all had the best press. If camp is all that we've had to go on, which one would be predicted to be wide receiver number one? That question comes from John. Yeah, I, I still think it's Pittman. You know, maybe with snap counts, it might be Pascal. Targets, it might be Hilton. You know, we know Paris Campbell's going to have a heavy package schemed into each and every game. And obviously this sounds like stay away from it, fantasy owners. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be Pittman. That, that has the most catches. Do you think this is good for T.Y., the fact that not a lot of people are talking about him? Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that, but then part of me is like, man, he's missed some valuable time with Carson. And, you know, he's not a normal route runner. He does things mm-hmm. a little bit differently. Um, I think that is something to keep an eye on, too, here as we move forward. This next question comes from Rod. Everyone seems to be focused on the quarterback situation in camp, but how have the corners and the pass rushers been? I've heard good reviews on Quiddy Pay, but how about the others? Have the unproven secondary perform outside of Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore? Yeah, it's a good on the rushers. Certainly cornerbacks a little bit up in the air. I thought Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore did really well in the one-on-one periods against Carolina, um, especially. Um, you know, these guys aren't getting torched. Granted, you know, you go back to the old grading scale. I mean, they haven't gone up against these elite throwers of the football on the same page mm-hmm. with the wideouts and whatnot. So, you know, Frank Reich's really high on the secondary. Really high. I don't love the depth back there right now. TJ Carey, Marvell Tell, you know, got hurt in that Carolina game. We haven't seen them now for over a week. Um, so they got something to watch. But, yeah, I mean, from a rushing standpoint, they've gotten it done so far. Now, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you do believe that Carson Wentz will be back week one. Again, if you go back and look at social media today on the 23rd of August, you will see that Carson's out there and, and, and going strong. Big Bama wants to know, hypothetically, if Carson injury does go longer than exposed and uh, or expected, and the Colts go 4-1 and one or 5-2 and two with Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, does this become almost a Tony Romo, Dak Prescott situation? Yeah, I mean, I I think they'd go with Wentz, but, you know, again, that's so, so tough. And it doesn't sound like this is even going to be an issue. You know, if Carson Wentz is practicing three weeks out, unless he's got a setback, that dude's playing in September, at least. From JJ, now that Ursay has signed uh, signed up for f- uh, five more years of mediocrity with Chris Ballard and Frank Wright, what is your rankings of excuses to explain uh, for the explanations that will be coming from the Colts to appease the fans? A, still recovering from the luck retirement. B, injuries and COVID. C, bad luck. D, salary cap restraints. Or E, on the right track but just need more time. <laughs> Yeah, there are no excuses for this season. Like, enough. These, you know, none. This, it's got to be results. JJ, I I know that this is typically um, the path that you like to go down here with with them. I I, I do think, to be fair, you know, to the question, I would say if you looked at, you know, head coach GM combo that have gotten extensions in their first four years. Mm Mm-hmm. 
their resumes are going to look a lot different than the resumes that Frank Reich and Chris Bauer look like after three or four years, which just one playoff win, no no division titles, things like that. So um, I do think that is a fair point to make, but uh, obviously uh, on the excuse route, yeah, I don't – boy, you, I mean, I mean, luck is eons ago, you know? Rosie Bell wasn't even on this earth, even close to being on this earth <laughs> when luck retired. Uh, injuries, COVID, nope, nope, bad luck, no, come on. Playing football. Got got to get results now. All right, we got about five more. This one from C. Daly, and good job, uh, C. Daly, on doing your research here. This season there are 43 teams in college football that are returning their entire offensive line. Jeez. Checked via the Phil Steele magazine. Do you think with the super senior class, the Colts anticipated a deep O-line class next spring, and that's why they decided not to draft a long-term tackle? Boy, that's some research. Yeah, it is. By C. Daly, I, I respect that. Um, yeah, uh, interesting that 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 many um, played. Um, D line was a major focus past years. You know, I I, I think like that was a, um, that was a big focus coming into this year's draft. Mm-hmm. That I should say, you know, maybe that played a little bit into it, but like. Yeah, I don't think no. I, you know, to me, this is kind of a multiple year thing with with tackle and you know, Darisau, Quiddy Pay. It came down to a guy they felt like had better character, and that was Quiddy Pay. So I think if it was it was it was reversed. You know, Darisau had the character like Pay, and Pay had the character like Darisau. They would have taken Darisau. This question comes from Bryce. How productive does Mike Strawn need to be for Chris Ballard's draft selection of him to be what Robert Mathis was to Bill Polian? Oh, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ring of honor, um, good. Yeah, I wouldn't even say pump the brakes. Just freaking, just, just step on them. Just, I mean, <laughs> absolutely smash them. Yes, yeah, stop. How productive does Mike Strong need to be for Chris Bowles drafts? He's got to be Hall of Famer. <laughs> like seriously, I mean, yeah. Bryce, come on now. Question from Tony. That was a question. <laughs> I mean, he's he is getting a lot of pub right now. With all the backup quarterback talk and Peyton's Hall of Fame induction, how would you evaluate Jim Sorge? Everyone oh, knows George. everyone knows who he is. Great guy. But hardly knows anything about him. Just curious on how he stacked up to Peyton's backups for all those years. Question from Tony. Oh, Sorge's the man. We had we had many a many a Saturday night beer at uh <laughs> on a uh, on a road trip, but watched a lot of Wisconsin football with him and uh Hotel lobby bars oh, yeah. over the years. Yeah, he's a great, great engine. I felt like Sorge played all right when he got thrown in there, right? I don't know. I mean, I felt like he did a nice job. And if you're going to be Peyton's backup for that long, that means Peyton likes you because, you know, he's dictating that. So, yeah, the uh, the pride of Tri-West, I believe that's where the Sorge boys go. So, shout out to Jim. Great dude. Yeah, for a lot of years, I thought Jim probably had the best role and or job in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he he uh, he definitely did, but I will say expectations internally. Whew. Yeah, I mean Peyton, uh, there was no let up, but mm-hmm. certainly on game days, pretty good job. Two more questions. This one's from Elijah. If you knew that Luck was going to give you six to seven good years, would you have still released Manning and taken Luck, or would you have given, or would you have gone with Peyton, knowing that he was going to be fully healthy? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I, I guess. Luck. I mean, the team was not built to win. 
at the level that you needed it to. Just awful drafting from 2007 to 2011. I, I feel like we get this typical question along these lines every couple months. So, um, yeah, luck, and then you just, you know, you pray that it's a Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or something like that, you know, in terms of having that type of success in that six- to seven-year window right. early on in their NFL careers. We're going to jump back to a topic you touched on a little bit earlier, Kevin, as we come towards the end of training camp with a, a question from Belopa, who is a, a loyal listener, wanting to know about the quarterback situation. And if we cut Sam Ellinger, does this free up a spot for a running back or a wide receiver? And also with many, alt, with many alternatives, how many of these people clear waivers and we sign them to the practice squad? Jordan Wilkins, Sam Ellinger, Desmond Patton, Mike Strawn, Ashton Doolin, etc.? Yeah, that's it. Well, I would say there's a good chance on all of them, you know, honestly clearing waivers. You know, Ellinger, I'd probably put it at about 30% that he'd get claimed. Wilkins, probably there's a decent chance that he would get claimed. Um, mm-hmm. I would say maybe more in the kind of the 50 to 60% range there. Um, you know, Patman, I put about 20 to 30%. Strawn, 30 to 40% to get claimed. Doolin, maybe 10 Yeah, it's as much as you think all your guys are going to get claimed – there are some Mike Strawn equivalents in other training camps or, you know, things like that. Now, maybe not to the level, and, you know, we saw the Colts in the first Ballard year. What do you do, claim five guys? So some teams are just like, screw it, our roster sucks. We're going <laughs> to we're, we're, we're claim a bunch of guys. But usually you have some sort of established, mm-hmm. you know, presence in the league. You've, you've proven yourself a little bit in order to do that. I mean, Jordan Wilkins just continues, you know, averaged four yards the other night. He doesn't get a ton of carries, but he just all like he's almost he kind of reminds me of Dominic Rhodes back in the day. Dude, just runs sh- north and south. I think that is a great, great. Um, that's a great way to describe it. Um, I'm gonna have Wilkins on the morning show tomorrow. I asked him to name, describe the four running backs in the room and their styles. Mm-hmm. I thought his answer was so on par with how I would describe him. So check that out. Well, I think we'll play it at about eight o'clock if you guys are listening to this before Tuesday. If not. Um, that podcast is on the Fan Morning Show's website. All right, Chris, I think that covers everything on my end. Anything you got? No. Uh, just re- reminder to everyone that uh, the 6th. 8th. 8th, sorry. September 8th. <laughs> September yep. 8th, Beers with Bowen. Yep. Obviously with Kevin's new role on the morning show as we congratulated him last week. If you're not in town, you can uh, view that on 1075thefan.com or download the new stream if you have the old app please download the new app. And luckily for us, since Kevin is in this new role, we're going to have an opportunity to have a little bit more players and guests on and feature them during these podcasts. I love it. I love it. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for everything you're doing behind the scenes for us and helping us. And certainly we'll be front and center on September 8th. Again, that's a 630 start. You guys have any questions um, about whatever event-wise, DM myself, DM Chris. And uh, we really hope uh, all of you can make it out and looking forward to it. It's been something that it's been what, you know, I'm thinking back to the slippery noodle when we got ready for that one. And yeah. then all of a sudden the pandemic happened. So 18 months later, here we are. I'm finally getting ready for another Beers with Bowen in person. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll probably wait till after roster cuts. I'm thinking just because if you record on Monday, roster cuts happen on Tuesday and mm-hmm. the podcast becomes kind of worthless. So maybe a Wednesday pod next week. Again, I'll have my final 53-man roster projection up on the site, and we'll tweet that out 
as well. Everybody have a great week, and thanks for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.